0: Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at RiverValleyRanch.com. Enjoy. For our speaker this weekend, used to be an RVR staff member back from 2012 all the way to 2080. He served with us. Uh, from there, went on to be a youth pastor in Ohio, the land of the Russets, I believe. is, what it is. Now is a uh, senior pastor at Grace Life in sparta north carolina let's make some noise for joel stamper what's up winter meltdown all right here's the deal i used to come to these things when i was a youth and so i know where we're at right now you guys are feeling things out you're in a new environment in fact how many of you have been to winter meltdown before Okay, maybe like a third to a half. Awesome. But here's the deal. Every time you come into one of these environments, there's this uh, period of time where you're kind of weird. You know, you're scoping each other out. Right? There's this competition around every corner here. You guys are scoping out the competition. You're trying to figure out, you know, who's doing this, who's doing that. And... uh, here's the thing. You guys don't need to be afraid to cut loose, okay? Because we're here to have a good time. Let me challenge you guys. At some point during our worship time this weekend, spend a little time up front here. Because like Aaron just said, you guys sound amazing up here. And it's incredible to just come up and hear, you know, close to 300 voices worshiping our Creator. Um, And so don't just stay right there in your seats. We're here to have a good time this weekend. We're here to worship. Um, And so I hope you guys don't hold back in doing that. Now, before I go any further, let me go ahead and address the elephant in the room, okay? I know what you're thinking. If there was a big cast iron pan up here on the stage and it was full of cornbread, and that cornbread could talk, you're thinking, He is what that cornbread would sound like if it could talk, okay? That's fine. I understand. I hate hearing myself talk because I'm like, man, I sound like a thing of cornbread. I'm from the South, okay? From the South, North Carolina. I've lived there almost my entire life. Uh, I was born in Maryland though. Cumberland, like two hours west of, I don't know which direction that is, but like two hours west of here, Cumberland. I was born there. Uh, but I've lived in North Carolina the majority of my life. And if you think that my accent is bad, you should hear my kids. All right, my son, Micaiah is three years old and it's, you can't, you're like, what? Even I have a hard time understanding them. But here's the thing. I want to introduce you guys to my family. They're not here, but I have a picture of them and something else that I want to share with you guys. Okay, these are my four kids. All right, the one there in the striped shirt, that's Elijah. That's my oldest son. He's 10 years old. Um, he's an aspiring farmer. That's Judah there holding up the butt into that Christmas tree. He is uh, an aspiring musician and just an overall, he's, he's a stink pot. Let me just say that, all right? He's my problem child. Uh, Micaiah there in the car, he's probably saying something, you know, about cornbread and pinto beans, and you wouldn't understand it if you could hear him anyway. And then my little princess right there, uh, that's Hazel, also known as Hazilla, depending on whether or not she has had her nap. Um, I love those little guys. And if you're wondering about the Christmas tree thing, here's something I didn't tell Aaron when he introduced me. I'm a Christmas tree farmer, all right? So I pastor a church, yes, but I also farm Christmas trees. And so this picture was taken uh, in my backyard. You can see some small Christmas trees there in the background. And uh, I love where I'm at. I love North Carolina, but also... I'm thrilled to be up here with you guys. All right, next picture, I want to introduce you guys to my wife. This is Mandy. Let's go ahead and address the other thing that you guys are thinking. Um, My hat, right? (laughs) Because that's what you're like, what's up with that hat? It has nothing to do with the fact that she's beautiful and I am portly. And what's up with that shirt? Two things that you will learn about me if you're around me for a very long time at all. I don't like to be hot and I don't like to be sunburned. All right. And so that is the smallest of my hats. I have greater ones. I have hats that come out to my shoulders. And I was at a golf tournament here, Quail Hollow, PGA Championship. You guys are pretty young. Do any of you like to watch golf? Excellent. Okay. Two of you like to watch golf. Um, but that's my wife, Mandy. We have been married uh, in May. It will be 15 years. And just let this, guys, be an encouragement to you. It's what's on the inside that counts. Ladies, Hey, it's what's on the inside that counts, all right? He may be short and portly. Give him a chance. He might surprise you. Um, Man, I love my family. But I'm excited to be here with you guys. Here's the thing. We're going to look a little bit this evening at uh, the story of creation. We're going to be looking in the book of Genesis. But something I want to do tonight and something that I want to do tomorrow morning, tomorrow night, Sunday morning, anytime we're going to be opening up Scripture and we're going to be looking at the Word of God there's a principle that is indispensable. What does indispensable mean? Somebody tell me. Did any of y'all go to school today? Is today Friday? Alright. Indispensable. What? Give me a definition of indispensable. Very important. Almost like something you can't do without. Alright? Every time we come to the study of God's Word, there's a principle of Bible study that is indispensable. And here's that principle. It is total reliance upon the Holy Spirit to teach us, all right? I can stand up here and I can share with you guys the most clever illustrations, the most fitting life application that I can come up with in my flesh. But if the Spirit of God does not teach you and, um, and, and draw you and reveal Himself to you, then you're not going to get it, all right? And so before we go any further, before we actually look at the scripture, I want us to just bow before the Lord and and pray and uh, and ask him to reveal himself to us tonight. So let's do that. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to be here this evening. God, I thank you for the youth leaders who have given of their time, uh, some of them giving of their talent, some of them giving of their treasure to be here with these kids this weekend. Father, we thank you for the staffers and the The people who have put all this time and energy and effort into just creating so much uh, fun and a a wonderful environment for us to be a part of this weekend. But Lord, more than any of these other things, it's our desire to meet with you this weekend. And it is our desire that you would, as only you can do, uh, reveal yourself to us through your word. Father, give us a fresh glimpse of Jesus this evening and this weekend. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. I know we just prayed. You had your eyes closed. I want you to close your eyes again. All right. Can we use our imaginations for a second? Do you guys still do that? Okay. All right. Hey, that's, that's great. I love it. Let's use our imaginations for a second. Close your eyes. All right. It's going to be kind of a word association thing. When I say a word, I want you to get a mental picture in your mind and, 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 Put it on the sticky side once you get it there, because it's something you're going to discuss later in your small groups. But when I say this word, I want to know, I don't want to know, but I want you to know what comes to your mind. Freedom. What picture comes to your mind when I say the word freedom? All right, open your eyes. Some of you are like America. You know, you've got the flag and it's waving and there's an eagle about ready to attack. You know, some of you, that's your picture of freedom. Can I share with you my picture of freedom? My picture of freedom is really, you could go outside and you could look up and you could get my picture of freedom. My picture of freedom is wide open spaces, wide open skies, clear skies, um, dazzling stars, planets, Milky Way galaxy, uh, just land and space that's not hindered by anything, Not, not... clouded by anything. That's what I think of when I think of freedom. But if we're going to define freedom, and we need to do that because that's our theme for this weekend. Like we're talking about freedom. To define freedom, we have to use language. All right? And so let me, you, you saw in our video that we looked at a few minutes ago, uh, kind of a loose definition. I want to I give you a, another definition. It'll be up here on the screen. This is, this is a, a definition of freedom we're using uh, language to do it. We're establishing some, some things to go on here, okay? Freedom is the condition of not being in captivity, okay? Or the condition of being free of restraints. You guys saw those uh, illustrations of, you know, uh, hands that are in chains. That's not freedom, but to be unbound, to be unchained, okay, that's, that's freedom. Especially the ability to act without control, or interference by another or by circumstance. So, you know, there's, again, there's nothing in your way. And I guess that's why my picture of freedom is, is wide open spaces and, and why that resonates me with the, when I think about that word freedom. There's no one restraining you in your actions. Now, there is a source that you guys can go to to see example after example after example of the opposite of freedom. Uh, This place you can go to has made countless amounts of money off of presenting stories about people who are oppressed and have no freedom. You know where you can find those stories? Disney+. All right? I'm serious. Every single one of the princess movies that have ever been made by Disney, the story's the same for all of them. I want this... And I can't have it. And so for the next hour and 30 minutes, you're going to see me try and get it. Now, my number one example, and I'm going to show my age here. I need you guys to let me know if you're with me on this. The Little Mermaid. All right. All right. Show of hands. How many of you have seen The Little Mermaid? Hey, Okay. Okay. About half of you, maybe a little more than half of you. For those of you that haven't seen The Little Mermaid, let me just give you like a 90-second rundown of of what's happened. The Little Mermaid, her name's Ariel, she lives in the ocean. Where's a genius that can tell me how much of the world is covered in water? Okay, I saw it with glasses, black, how much of the world? 70 percent, okay, perfect. Uh much of that 70% is going to be in the form of ocean, right? So she's got a a rather large playground at her disposal, right? The Little Mermaid's not happy with 70% of the globe at her disposal. Um, She's not happy because she spends the majority of her days collecting trash and putting it in a cavern for everybody to come and look at. You know? That cavern is full of Who's-its and what's-its and thingamabobs, right? Are you with me? She has all of these things, but what does she want? Stop, 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 stop. I want more. I want to be where the people are. I want to see, want to see them dancing, walking along on those, what do you call them? Feet. (laughs) Flipping your fins, you don't get too far. Legs are required for jumping, dancing, strolling around on that. What's that word again? Up where they walk, up where they run, up where they stay all day in the sun and free, wish I could be part of that world. Wait, I'm not done. I'm not done. Betcha on land, they understand that they don't reprimand their daughters. Bright young women, sick of swimming, ready to stand and ready to know what the people know. Ask them my questions and get some answers. What's a fire and why does it, what's the word burn? When's it my turn, wouldn't I love? Love to explore that shore up above, out of the sea. Wish I could be part of that world. Let me just go ahead and tell you, I had doubters when I told them I was going to do that. You guys sound really good. Some of you, A+. All right, the rest of you, hey, guess what? You know the story of the Little Mermaid now. What is she? I'm telling you, you don't have to watch the movie because you know the premise. She has 70% of the ocean, of the water, of the world at her disposal. But what does she want? She wants the one thing that she can't have. She wants to live out of the water where the people are and get sunburned and all these other things. Every Disney movie is the same. They all want something that they can't have. But here's the thing. You know why that story resonates with us? Because it's at the heart of all of us. Uh, We all have this tendency to desire something that we can't have. Freedom says that nobody is going to keep us from doing what we want to do. And yet, what do our hearts desire? They desire the things that we can't have, or, or they desire the things that we're told not to have. Now, when you put that dictionary definition of freedom along with that mental picture, you have a very dim illustration of what our design as human beings was in the beginning. All right. And I say it's a dim illustration because, you know, even though we have a sense of freedom, there's, there's still boundaries in place and, and there's a lot that's changed. Since the garden. Our design originally was to freely relate to God. You look at the account of Adam and Eve, and they walked with God in the garden. They had this tremendous relationship with Him and this unbroken fellowship. He commissioned them to take care of everything that He had created. You guys can go through Google Images. Look at the most beautiful scenery that you can find. It's going to pale in comparison to what the garden was like. Let me read for you out of Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 7. We're going back to the beginning. It says, Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. The Lord God calls to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. What did Adam and Eve lack in the garden? Did they lack anything? They had relationship with the God of the universe. They had everything good to eat, everything that was pleasing to the eye. Verse 15 said that God put Adam in the garden to cultivate it and to keep it. And then, Adam was lacking. God created Eve. And he formed this union between the two of them. And they had everything they could possibly want and everything they could possibly need with only one boundary. And what was the boundary? You see that tree in the middle? What what was the boundary? Yeah, don't eat from this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because if you eat of it, you're going to die. When God gives them that command, do you know what he's given them? He's given them freedom. Freedom to make a choice. The one boundary that they have is now a guardrail to their freedom. And they have the opportunity. They have the decision to make. Are they going to live as God intended them to live or are they going to live in disobedience? January 16th, 2002. It's my birth not my birthday. I mean, January 16th is my birthday. I was not born in 2002. <laughs> I turned 39 like a couple weeks ago on January the 16th. But January 16th, 2002 was a significant day for me because it was the day that I turned 18, all right? When I turned 18, you know what that meant for me? It meant that according to the United States government, I was an adult, and I could make adult decisions. Now, I was still a senior in high school and living in my parents' house, and, and, and you know, there's some tension that arises there when the United States government says you can do things, and your parents are like, yeah, you probably better not do that or we'll kick you out. Do any of you have friends that are just like, no, I don't want you to look around in here, but you got friends and they're just, how do I say this nicely? You know what I mean? They're just that friend. I had some of that, those friends when I was in high school. And I remember the day that I turned 18, they were so excited for me. They're like, you know what you have to do today? You need to go buy some tobacco because you're 18 and the United States government says you can do it. Guys, freedom. I'm like, you know what? You're right. Now, in hindsight, I'm, I would have been like, you're an idiot. But they were right. I got out of school that day, got up with my buddies. I'm like, let's go to the gas station. I'm going to buy a can of snuff. Now, snuff is what we call it in the South. I don't, y'all might call it chew or dip. It comes in a little round can. You know what I'm talking about? Okay real finely. It smells awful. They say it's like wintergreen, but it's really like, never mind. It's nasty. Let me just say it's nasty. But anyway, my friends are like, all right, you go in there, you show them your ID, you're 18, you're an adult now, get yourself some tobacco. I did, man, went in there, spent $3.47, bought me a can of snuff, went back to a friend's house, we're going to play some video games And, like, this whole thing was this big ordeal. They're like, all right, get you a big old pinch. Now, in the South, get you a big old pinch of snuff, you know. And I have my lip packed full of snuff like that. And let me tell you guys something. Freedom felt good. For about seven minutes. (laughs) We're sitting there playing video games, and I've got my lip packed full of snuff. And after about seven minutes, my head started to spin. And I started to get a little woozy. About the nine-minute mark, I'm like, somebody needs to take this controller because I can't even see straight. At minute 10, I'm outside, doubled over the railing of the deck, puking out things that I ate as a three-year-old. <laughs> it was awful. It was awful. I went home that night, and my mom had fixed you know my favorite meal for my birthday, and then she was confused as to why I didn't eat it. She made me a cake. I'm like... I'll eat it tomorrow. I was so sick. I wasted $3.47 that day, but I learned a really valuable lesson. Just because I have the freedom to do something doesn't mean that I should do it. And not only that, but sometimes exercising my freedom comes with consequences. This is what Adam and Eve were going to learn when they went and, and... made a choice, all right? Sometimes our freedom to do and to say and to choose imprisons us because we're doing these things based on the flesh and on the desires of the flesh, not based on what the Word of God tells us to do or to not do. Let's go now to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Up until this point, Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. They're doing what God had commanded them to do. They're basically living the dream, okay? Genesis 3, starting in verse 1, says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, From, the, tree of, or from the, the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. And the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and she also gave it to her husband with her and he ate and the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. Do I not have any middle school boys in here? Like, that's your opportunity to, to giggle, alright? I said the word naked. They realized that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. What do we see there? We see that the whole tactic of the serpent here was to, to question God's motives. And to make Eve think that he was withholding something good from her. And when we see something that we want, something that we can't have, watch out. Why? Because we want it. I want more. Adam and Eve acted in disobedience. And as soon as they did that, as soon as they exercised their freedom... And acted in disobedience, everything changed, and it didn't change for the better. What did the serpent? What did the serpent promise? Your eyes are going to be opened. Hey, you're going to be like God. That's a pretty big, uh, pretty big promise there. It didn't change for the better suddenly they had consequences to deal with. What were those consequences? Here's, listen to this. Let's see if this sounds like it was worth it. Evil, sin, suffering, sickness, death, separation from God, exile from the garden. They really lucked out that day, didn't they? And those effects didn't just affect them. They've affected everyone since them. Now the obvious question that everybody contemplates when we read this account is this: Why did God even put that tree in the middle of the garden in the first place? And the short answer is this: without that tree and without the command to not eat from it, did they have freedom? Did they have freedom to choose? No, they're kind of just, you know, acting like robots. Just they didn't have the freedom to choose. What about the serpent? Why did God allow the serpent to come in and to, to tempt them? Well, because that temptation prompted them to make the choice. Obey God and live, disobey God and die. We just read the account there, so you 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 know what happened. Have you guys ever heard that cliche that everything happens for a reason? You know, that's your way of your your friend's um way of of comforting you when you've done something stupid. Yeah? Somebody cleverly added to the end of that phrase, sometimes that reason is that you're stupid and you make poor decisions. And we can chuckle about that, but here's the thing. That's the story of our lives. We make poor decisions, thinking that we're acting in freedom. And what happens? Those decisions end up imprisoning us. There's consequences that have to be dealt with. And guys, if you, if you go back... You start here in Genesis 3. And if you start thumbing forward through the Old Testament and and you follow the events of the fall in the garden and you see string after string after string of bad decisions, you see murder, you see pride, you see arrogance, you see wickedness. Wickedness so great that finally God says, you know what, I'm just going to destroy everybody except for Noah and his family. You're like, okay, great, that got worked out. We can have nice things again now, right? (laughs) After God's destroyed everybody. Um, No. The earth repopulates. People get together. They're like, hey, let's build a tower to heaven. God's like, no, thank you. He scatters them, changes their language. But finally, we come to a place in Scripture, and we're not going to look at it tonight, but we'll get there tomorrow, where we see a plan falling into place. A plan in which God is going to redeem that which had been lost. The very first promise that God gave regarding that plan was in the middle of the consequences that he doled out to Adam and Eve after they sinned. This is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. God's talking to the serpent here and he says, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is our first glimpse of the gospel in seed form. Now, when I say something is in seed form, and I may use that term a couple more times this weekend. <coughs> <coughs> sorry. It means that we're looking at something that's just, that's just getting started. Have you guys ever held an acorn Have you stood beside an oak tree while you held that acorn and considered considered the fact that inside that acorn is a mighty oak tree? It's just not developed yet, right? What we see here when we see Genesis 3.15 and this promise from God is that He's going to do something. He's going to redeem what has been lost, but it's just in the seed form and it's going to develop as we go. Guys, let me close by saying this tonight. Here's the reality of a group this size. Some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. I watched you guys coming in. Some of you have your Bibles and your notepads and you're giddy and you're ready to go. And this is all, you've been hearing this for 10 years, 12 years. Some of you are hearing this and you're on the other side of brokenness. You're on the other side of restoration you're you're on the other side of redemption and you know what you know what we're looking at you know what we're talking about you know what direction that we're headed in that's amazing i hope you guys are going to be encouraged and built up by what we talk about this re- weekend but if this is new to you and you're like i don't understand any of this stuff i don't understand why we're starting here i don't understand the importance of any of this but i'm broken and i'm lost Can I make you a promise? We're going to look at Scripture and we're going to develop and we're going to see this tiny acorn grow into a mighty oak. And when we see the reality of Genesis 3.15, it's going to offer you hope. It's going gonna, it's gonna to help you to, to see. It's going to open your eyes to redemption and to restoration. It's going to open your eyes to true freedom. But it's a journey, it's a process. And as we're on this journey, I just want to encourage you guys in your small groups ask questions, be open. Search the scriptures. And as we prayed for, as we began this evening, ask God to reveal himself to you. Because he delights in doing that. He delights in doing that. Let's bow. Father, thank you again for this evening. Thank you for our time together, for our time of worship, for our time of study. God, I pray this evening that you would watch over us, take care of us, keep us safe as we kind of wrap things up. God, give us a good night of rest and bring us back here tomorrow eager to learn and to grow. Lord, we thank you for loving us and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode.